Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the final drive for show DFS for Doe uh, program here for the 2023 calendar year. We've got the last golf tournament of the fall swing on tap with the RSM Classic this week. The traditional cap to the uh, the annual PGA Tour calendar. Uh, the, the whole schedule is going to be flip-flopped and adjusted starting next year, uh, so everything will start to look a little bit different. We'll have some new faces on the PGA Tour, but We've got a about a six-week break here after this week, so we'll try to make this one count here uh, coming off of an interesting week last week where uh, the 6-6 six six percentage, I think, in contests was maybe as high as I've ever seen for a full-field event, somewhere in the vicinity of like 25%, I think, of lineups got everybody through the cut last week. Uh, pretty much all the chalk you know, made it through uh, at least to the weekend, uh, and uh, remarkably, after we kind of uh, laughed at uh, Viegas last week, he goes out and uh, wins the tournament, kind of took it away from uh, Alex Nowhere in there on uh, Sunday. Remarkable win for him. He was about 150 to 1 uh, if you put a bet ticket on that. But, uh, yeah, chalky week. You probably didn't get anywhere if you didn't get 6 out of 6 through. So, of course, I'm Justin Van Zuden, STL Cardinals 84. I've got uh, Mr. Notorious, Derek Farnsworth, alongside. Uh, Noto, how's it going? Yeah, it's going good. Um, I was one of the 60% that didn't get 6 of 6, so I uh, contributed to that. Um, I saw Jason Sobo ended up tipping uh, Vegas, so congrats to him uh, for, for that one. And, yeah, I was talking to you before the show, just got done watching the Netflix Cup. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Justin Thomas and Carlos Sainz took it down. So, uh, yeah, I think it's the first F1 race in Vegas this weekend. Um, but yeah, yeah I did hear they, that. Uh, hopefully they do, do more stuff like that moving forward. Yeah. Always interesting to get those, uh, cross sport connections and stuff like that. So, uh, definitely something to, uh, to check out if you've got some free time and you haven't seen that yet. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was wild. I had a lineup in like the $20 or $15 contest on DraftKings, whatever it was, uh, that had five guys inside the top 10 going into Sunday, including the leader at the time in Norin. 
uh, and I was still like 20 points off the lead. And it was like I had the leader, four other top 10 guys, and then a guy that was like T18 or something at the time. Uh, and then there were still like 50 some odd people ahead of me. And then, of course, uh, you know, just one guy having a bad round on Sunday and your toast uh, as far as winning, winning a GPP goes because so much chalk hit last week. But uh, I don't know if I have a whole lot of other takeaways. I mean, it was another week where we didn't have the shot by shot data. So uh, tough to glean a whole lot statistically. Viegas with a, you know, pretty incredible performance kind of come out of nowhere here these last couple tournaments. Uh, part of the beauty of golf there when uh, things like that happen. So other takeaways uh, from that uh, event for you? Yeah, good to see uh, Vijayga's back. Um, he talked about, you know, golf and how stressful it was and just trying to let the game come to him. So kind of cool to see him back in the winner's circle. Um, I'm glad Alex Norton didn't win because he was the last guy left off my betting card, so that would have been uh, pretty painful. <laughs> And uh, the story for me, I mean, both the, the Bryan bros ended up making the cut. Um, the PJ Tour absolutely ran with that story. They were uh, all over the interviews, but I thought it was kind of fun. Um, Wesley ended up uh, eking out George um, in their head-to-head battle, but uh, it was pretty cool to see both of them make the cut. I actually did after we talked about them on the show last week. I had a couple lineups where I needed really needed a punt, uh, and I actually did put Wesley on a couple of rosters, uh, and I had actually like removed him from my uh, following on the app uh, because he was like two over after the first day. I'm like, well, there's no way he's coming back to make the cut. Um, and he ended up shooting seven under on Friday and, and making the cut on the numbers. So good for him. Um, just figured I'd throw him on a few for good luck after I said he was going to beat uh, he was going to beat out his brother on the on the show. So um, but. Alas, not enough to take a GPP down. Had some good lineups, but you needed to be nearly perfect uh, in order to uh, to win last week, especially given the scoring conditions. Uh, wins were up a little bit on the weekend, but still not enough to really test uh, these PGA Tour guys. So um, anything else? Or you want to just uh, move straight away here into to the RSM here to close things out? Yeah, let's get into it. All right. So like I mentioned, the usual event that we have here, before the end of the season, uh, but a weird one in that it's uh, features a two course rotation. So we don't see this a whole lot. We see it a little bit in the spring or the late winter, you know, when uh, the daylight hours are still pretty short after we get turn the calendar to the first of the year, uh, you'll see a couple events that utilize a multi-course rotation, but this is the first one that we've seen uh, in quite a while, probably since you know, spring at some point, I can't even remember what the last one was. But uh, two courses in play prior to the cut, and then the uh, once the field gets trimmed down for the weekend, uh, they just utilize the host course on the weekend. So uh, what do we make of the uh, two courses this week? Yeah, so uh, we'll start with the Seaside course, which is going to host uh, three of the four rounds. It's a part 70, only 7,000 yards. Difficulties usually in the top 15 or so in terms of the easiest courses on tour. Really wide fairways, pretty big greens. Um, but the defense is the water. Um, it's in play on 13 of the holes. Then the plantation course is a par 72, so you get those four par fives. Um, it's about the same length, so um, very short course for a par 72. The only difference uh, that I see, the greens are a little bit smaller, and that course is tree line. So I do think we could see an edge for um, the golfers that start on the plantation course because – Thursday looks pretty windy and rainy, and uh, if that holds, you know, the the seaside course is going to get the worst of it being right out 
by the sea. Um, so I think we could see a little bit of an edge there, but uh, especially in showdown, yeah, I mean, definitely want to be targeting guys on the plantation, especially on Thursday, get those extra two par fives and then potentially the better weather draw as well. And historically, you know, driving distance doesn't really matter here. You look at the guys that play well here, your Brian Harmon types, your Webb Simpsons, uh, more plotters than distance. So definitely looking at guys that are better with their irons and can keep them play off the tee. And probably going to be a putting contest because that's uh, what happens when you get these easy courses. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely don't need distance here. And you look at, you know, Webb, who you mentioned, Kisner's had some good results here, even when he wasn't in the best of form. He's certainly not a long hitter. So uh, you don't necessarily have to, uh, you know, mandate, hey, my guy can't, uh, can't have any distance off the tee, but it's certainly not a prerequisite here. I think your points are well taken on the, uh, how to handle the two courses, particularly in showdown. Uh, that's where you get the edge in, in these types of tournaments. So we will have the shot-by-shot data for the host course. Uh, the plantation course will not have that, um, at least it hasn't in the past, uh, for the rounds that are the, the sole, single round that, uh, that each golfer is going to play over there. Uh, so mainly ball strikers for me as well, uh, and we'll uh, – certainly lean on some course history a little bit. These are, uh, this is an area where I, I mentioned it at the end of last week's show. A lot of the golfers have residences down here. So uh, you see a lot of guys that tend to play here every year, or really know the area, uh, the sea Island mafia or whatever they want to call themselves uh, or, or the moniker that's at least been thrown upon them. Um, you'll see them you know, kind of pop up here as we go throughout the show. So, all right, so let's go ahead and, uh, and just dig in here. Uh, we do have a, a larger field here this week uh, than what we have seen with some of the other fall swing events. Some of them uh, have you know, either featured, you know, 144 or 132 golfers this week. We do have the full 156 in the field, uh, which is part of the reason why they need to use the, the two courses uh, the first couple of days. So uh, the pricing, though, at the top, I mean, not really all that deep on uh, DraftKings. First time in quite a while, we've only had three golfers above the 10K mark, Aubert, Cameron Young, and uh, your boy Brian Harmon. We haven't seen him in a while. He's coming out of hibernation this week, hasn't played uh, during the fall swing at all. So those three guys at the top, do you need to try to jam one of them in? Do we prefer going a little more balanced this week uh, with only a handful of guys up here at the top? Uh, interested your thoughts on how to handle that. Yeah, I'm not prioritizing any of the three up here. I think the balanced lineups look pretty good this week, especially since the driver is not all that important. Now, um, I will say uh, Ludwig Obert, he does have some motivation this week. So he's currently 53rd in the world. If he gets inside the top 50, he's going to qualify for the Masters. So if he has a good finish this week, that might bump him up. Um, looks like he's going to be popular. He's been tremendous pretty much the last four or five months. So no issue with uh, him, but uh, not a ton of interest in Cam Young or Brian Harmon. Young just hasn't been in that good form. And then Harmon, we just haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, you did mention the Seattle Mafia. What do you make of them? Like so many of them have struggled here in their careers. What do you make of that? Uh, Friday night party and after you play golf? I don't know. I mean, that's certainly could could be some explanation gotta, for it gotta go home to the wife and kids and <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you know you one night you you go out uh, for a few beverages with the buddies and another night yeah you gotta go home to the the kids and i don't know a little bit of variance in there as well it's tough to say um 
but I, I'm really not putting a whole lot of stock into, you know, got to play this guy because he's here. If they're because he lives here, but uh, if they've played well here in the past, I'm more inclined to give him a little bit of a bump, I guess. Yeah, I was just thinking like guys like uh, Matt Kuchar, Brandon Todd, for whatever reason, they just don't play well here. But uh, yeah, there's so many. I mean, half the golfers in the field yeah. probably have a train here, have a house here, whatever it may be. So I guess maybe I'm just uh, picking and choosing. Uh, cherry like picking. That. You're cherry picking. Yeah. Uh, but no, I mean, that's a fair point. There are a few of them that, uh, you know, you kind of scratch your head a little bit. They play here every year and uh, don't necessarily have the best track record. So uh, hit or miss with some of them. Certainly you can use that if you want to in a tie-breaking scenario, but otherwise, um, you know, just play the guy that you think projects the best. Yeah, I I, I mean, I think Obera is the play if you're playing anybody up here. Um, you know, Harmon, we've got him as right now uh, the second highest owned golfer in the field, which I think maybe that's a little bit hot, but um, I, I'm certainly not going to play him if he's anywhere close to 27% ownership. If I'm going to play a chalky guy up here, I'll play Obear at uh, at 10-9. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think the logic of potentially starting with a balanced build makes a lot of sense. Uh, the, the whole 9K range you can probably make a case for. Connor's another guy we haven't seen a whole lot of lately. Um, Henley t- tends to play these types of courses. Norin obviously coming off a strong week last week, even though he couldn't pull it off at the end. Uh, Poston as a guy that has been in great form. I like him a lot this week. Uh, Justin saw coming off a good week as well. His last time out. So lots of guys in, in decent form here in the nine K range. And you can certainly start off your balanced lineup, uh, with one or two of these guys. So, uh, your favorites in the nine Ks. Yeah, so Russell Henley, um, he's the fifth most expensive golfer. He's number one in my model. He's number one in the RG model, too, which uh, I kind of like when they uh, agree. You mentioned his form. It's been awesome. T13 or better in four straight. He hasn't played since the Tour Championship, but uh, I think it's a perfect course fit for him. So I will be using a lot of Russell Henley. And then at the very bottom of the range, I like Eric Cole. He's one of the only golfers in the field that's top five in – Strokes gain approach, pretty or better, and bogey avoidance. So I like that combo. He can putt um, well, too. And this is one of the few courses that he's actually seen a second time around. He finished T39 here last year. So, uh, yeah, I really like this spot for Eric Cole. Looks like he's going to be popular, but I'm okay eating that chalk. Um, he, says, he, finished, he finished T39 here last year, and he like has finished top 10 in every single event since then, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, last four he's events. He's been a four- machine. Fourth, third, and second. Um, so, yeah, the, the form is pretty good. Outside of that, um, I like Poston, too. At 9,300, he's been in awesome form uh, during the fall. And, you know, he's been really good with the irons. I think he's gained at least 4.5 strokes on approach in four of his last five. And if you want a sleeper, I think you go right back to Alex Norin. Maybe he can pull the Vajegas of going second the week before and then first the next week. He tends to be a streaky golfer. He's got a 10th and an 18th here. So, if he's going to be overlooked, uh, I don't mind being overweight on Norm. Yeah, and it kind of surprises me. I think you might have written that in our content this week, too, that, uh, you know, the low ownership on a guy coming off a strong finish. Sometimes you see that with guys that are coming off a win. He's obviously not, but uh, had a really strong week, you know, notwithstanding the fact that he wasn't able to pull it off. Um, we both mentioned Poston, and I went, if you go back to the John Deere in July, Poston's results since then, T6, T6, T41, T2, T7, T24, T22, T3. So no miscuts since June. 
Uh, that's five top tens in eight starts uh, for Poston. Uh, no, he's a member of the uh, the Live Down Here group. Uh, the last five years at this event, two miss or three miss cuts and two top twenty fives. So uh, it does tend to be a little boomer bust, but I think he's certainly a strong upside play for your GPPs. So he's probably the guy I'll be the most overweight on here. Uh, we've got him at thirteen percent, which is perfectly reasonable. Norin. Who Noto mentioned we've got a 12. I think those two guys, if they're going to be the lowest owned of this group, uh, sign me up for those guys in GPPs. I've got no problem with Henley, no problem with Connors, uh, and obviously no problem with the, the, the top 10 machine that is Eric Cole. Um, but uh, my top three in terms of my ownership in here will probably be Cole, Poston, and, uh, and Norin. So, Anything else in uh, in this range that uh, that you want to talk about? No, I hope one of those three at least plays well. Bet on all three of them. So uh, yeah, Cole Poston and Norin. Let's uh, let's get a W. I have not looked at the odds. Are they in the are they in the thirty range? Twenty five. So, yeah, uh, Poston and Cole are both thirty to one. Um, I think I saw thirty three on one of them, and then Norin's at forty right now. Oh wow, I like those respectable odds there on a field that's not uh, super heavy at the top. I mean, this feels, I don't know. Is, is this the type of field strength we usually get here for me? I, I felt like maybe we used to get a little bit more at the top this for this tournament. Maybe not. I could just be, I think it's just because a lot of the guys that uh, usually play well are the usually play here are just bad now. Webb, yeah. Future, <laughs> Zach Johnson, like they used to be good. So it was a better field. That's true. Horschel, Kisner, yeah, lots of those guys. Uh, they're just down the board a little farther now. Fair point. And kind of didn't put that together. Um, all right. If you've been playing Jaeger all fall, this is a chance to get him at a discount. He's down to 8,800 this week. Leads off that 8K range along with uh, with Kucher, who you just mentioned there. Denny McCarthy, Adam Svensson, Brendan Todd. I think most of the people that do, that do a balanced build are going to start with a couple guys in the nines. Um, because they do project better than these guys in the eights. And in fact, we don't have anybody in the eight K's above 15% projected ownership right now. Not that these guys are bad players. Uh, the people are just going to start up in the nine K range. Um, I think Jaeger is really interesting if he's going to be 8% owned now that he's down to 8,800, you know, it's a little bit of a stronger field than what we've seen with some of these events, but, uh, still like his chances here. Uh, especially since, you know, the rest of this 8K range, I just don't love. I like getting into the nines, so I probably won't have a ton of these guys in my player pool. Uh, Jaeger will definitely be in there, though. Still kind of torn on what to do with Keith Mitchell. Uh, you know, I, I like him, but uh, feels like his biggest weapon is the driver. Uh, but he does have four straight made cuts at this event. He's gained about 20 strokes on the field, uh, but he's just been so erratic. Uh, over the last four or five months that uh, it worries me to play him. So I like Jaeger in here, maybe McCarthy a little bit. Uh, if it turns into a putting contest, what do you like in the eight case? Yeah, I like both those guys. I think I uh, tagged Jaeger as a as an expert play, kind of a low-owned guy, which we usually don't get him, uh, low ownership. I think everyone's just tired of his P25 finishes. But uh, maybe he can avoid that blow-up round. He, just, he always is at the top of the leaderboard and then blows up. Um, also, like Brendan Todd, anytime you get him on a short Bermuda track, um, he's been in awesome form for like six months. The irons have really 
gotten better. Um, one of the best putters, one of the most accurate drivers of the ball. And uh, the wedges are good. So I think Brendan Todd at less than 10% ownership makes some sense too. Outside of that, maybe Billy Horschel. Um, no, he's been no. Playing, he's been playing so well overseas. I don't know if you've been tracking. No, do, goals, no, but... I have not been. I have not been paying attention, nor do I want to. Man, he's uh, so last five events: fourth, eighteenth, twentieth, fourteenth. Still no. And Bermuda. Where's he I been mean, playing? What tour is this? Uh, this is just the DP World Tour. Why has he been playing so much on that? I wasn't even aware that he was playing that much out over there. Let's pull up the. He was always a couple kind of, of them a... were, were strong fields too. Now, be, let right. me be clear. I'm not playing him no matter what you tell me, but <laughs> we can talk about it. All right. So, yeah, he played uh, the Dunhill Lynx Championship, which is at St. Andrews T14. The Open to France T20, the BMW PJ Championship, which has a good field T18. And then I uh, actually finished fourth at the Wyndham um, not too long ago. So, yeah, the form's good, but uh, yeah, to your point, it doesn't project well, and he's Billy Horschel. <laughs> that was his first top ten in an individual stroke. the 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 Wyndham uh, was his first top ten in a PGA Tour event uh, in uh, in ten months. He did have a a T nine at the match play, so he got eliminated in the round of sixteen. And then he had a top 10 at uh, 11th place at the team event, uh, the Zurich Classic. But otherwise, quite a few missed cuts and no top 10s for almost a year. Um, but again, I've always been an anti horschel guy, even when he was like luck boxing his way into good finishes by holding out from, you know, 50 feet four times a tournament. Um, I've always kind of, you know, been anti-horschel for DFS purposes. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. If you like the form uh, over in Europe, you know, go for it. All right. Um, otherwise, I mean, not much here at the, the bottom of the range. Akshay, Spawn. Spawn is okay. Um, nobody that I'm I'm racing out to get. Smalley had a lot of ownership last week. Uh, he's back at 8K this week, but anything else above 8K here before we uh, round that out? Yeah, I have a little of Spawn and uh, Smalley. I think both of them are pretty good ball strikers, kind of take your chances with the putter. But, uh, yeah, I think both of them are interesting. Good, some, some good finishes here in the past, and I am cheering for Horsham. I mean, ever since he came out with that interview and just started crying, you know, how, how hard golf is and all that, I thought that was uh, pretty endearing, and he's – He's one of those guys. He'll wear his heart on his sleeve one way or the other. This is true. Definitely can't deny that. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. I don't think anything else above 8K for me either. I'll uh, I'll dip down into the 7Ks uh, to, to kind of get to round out those rosters, I guess, where I start with the, the 9K range. Uh, I know Hondizel likes uh, Harris English a lot this week. That was his kind of bold call pick for a dark horse winner um, in our content, Chris Kirk fits the profile of a guy who should play well here uh, though. He's missed the cut three of the last four years at this event. Vijegas uh, coming off a win, um, you know, champ, big driver. Uh, Montgomery has just been horrible with everything except the putter. I just, I think you go down below 7,700 here. I mean, you got Pendrith is way too cheap. 
Schmidt is coming off his second strong finish in a row. Ben Griffin's really cheap. Uh, you got Shank. It's set like to me, you go to that 72 to 7,600 range and you get your exposure there. But uh, any interest in the top part of the range for you, the Kirk, English, Thompson, anybody there do anything for you? Yeah, Kirk's another one of the Seattle Mafia that doesn't play well here. So they're adding up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he is a good course fit on paper. I think Davis Thompson's interesting. He's been a top 35 machine in the fall and he's played here four times. So he must have played here in his, as an amateur. Yeah, um, or I think he got a sponsor invite or something for some reason when he was an amateur. Been real bad the last three times uh, outside of the top 130, but uh, he's playing he's playing his best golf of his career, so I don't mind that. Uh, so I'm guessing you're just eating the chocolate with Pendrith. That's kind of my... Yeah, I just don't... I mean, he's just too cheap. He's got three, what, three top 15s in a row, I believe. Um, I don't know. I, I would have expected him to be 8,500. Yeah, exactly. So uh, if you do play him, just try to differentiate elsewhere. Uh, I'm on board too. He's also got 26 and 15th place finishes here the last couple of years. Talked about Ben Griffin, liked him a lot. Um, he's been playing well, T29 here last year. Matty Schmidt's been uh, playing pretty well. He's got a couple top three finishes recently. Um, Shank's a guy that puts it well and hits his irons well, so I'll be on him. And then I've talked about Nicholas Lindheim a lot during this uh fall season and nobody ever plays him he said three percent ownership once again i don't think he's missed a cut um in a long time and if you look at the we don't have a lot of stats on him this year but uh, when he was on the pj tour you know a couple years ago he was a very good iron player so i think it's a pretty good course setup for him yeah if you sort uh the plays in the field by uh, noto's rating per dollar here in our lineup hq tool Obviously, the cheaper guys tend to do well there simply because that's algebra and uh, they've got a lower denominator for rating per dollar. Uh, but uh, Lindheim is actually number two uh, in that uh, metric if you sort by that this week uh, behind only Schenck, who you also just mentioned there. Uh, no surprise that Pendrith is up there as well. So this mid 7K range, I think, is where you're going to see a lot of people go to kind of round out those lineups, go with the the lower to mid 9K guys, and then this uh, this 7K range. Uh, I think lots of those guys are interesting. Are you have you abandoned the Mark Hubbard train yet? I'm just gonna say I play Mark Hubbard every week, so you can just uh, you don't have to ask me. Uh, he's been he was fine uh, last week, and he's a good iron player. So yeah, I'll play Mark Hubbard. The one guy that's interesting to me, Sam Ryder. I'm typically lower than everyone else on him for whatever reason. He just never rates out well for me. And this week he's pretty low owned and he rates out really well for me. So um, the fact that he has bad course history, I think is scaring everybody off. Yeah, I think he's okay in that range. Um, Vince Whaley was like 18% owned last week. That was the one like the Bo Hostler of the week. Like I, where did the Vince Whaley chalk come from last week? And he played well. Everyone but, was uh, sorting by the Noto ratings per dollar. Was oh, was he up there last week? Yeah, he was in my main lineup. Not that it did anything, but no, I just i i didn't i didn't hate it. I just didn't expect it to be uh, all right. So Noto's moving the needle. <laughs> um, I just saw that. Like he was like six under through like twelve on the first day. So all the the Whaley lineups were at the top of the leaderboards, and I click on them like, holy smokes. 16% own. Um, 
I don't mind it this week at uh, 6%. I mean, maybe he ends up coming in a little higher than that. Uh, he's okay. And a Webb Simpson, if you want to trust course history, uh, Han Dizzle's got a Simpson tag. He always likes Webb Simpson, though. He's a Webb Simpson guy. Uh, I like your thoughts on Ryder there. I think he's uh, super interesting at, uh, at lower ownership this week. And then the guy that I kind of like uh, that scares me is Ryan Moore, um, who feels like he hasn't been relevant for DFS purposes for like five years. Uh, he was injured for a while and then, you know, had kind of a run of, of bad results. And we see this a lot uh, with a lot of guys. And uh, though he is older, I mean, he's 40. Uh, but you look at the last uh, three tournaments, T13, T38, T5. Um, his last 11 rounds have all been under 70. So, um, you know, it's a shorter course. You don't have to be long off the tee. Ryan Moore certainly not long off the tee. Uh, he's at uh, 7.1K. We've got him in about 6% ownership. So lots of guys in here that I think are, are semi-viable. Um, and, at, you know, once we get to the bottom of the 7K range, usually we're down to just picking maybe one or two names uh, to, to plug your nose and maybe play this week. But I think there's some interesting options. You can make a case for Neesmith as well. Um, Martin Laird's been playing okay. I think I'm off the Troy Merritt train this week. He didn't play well last week. But uh, anybody else here? I mean, we can basically go into the 6Ks now too if you like. It uh, does thin out down there. But uh, who else you got? Yeah, I do like Whaley again this week. Uh, he actually lives in Georgia, not at this, uh, not on this island. So I think that's a positive for him. <laughs> uh, we talked about Ryder. Uh, Ryan Moore, has he ever played here before? Uh, haven't seen any results the last five years. Yeah, uh, I don't know if he played here before that. Um, a little bit think, weird uh, that perfect course fit for him. You would think so. Yeah, I mean, it surprises me if he hasn't. But uh, yeah, I didn't go back beyond uh, 2019 either. So, um, but I, I that did surprise me too. But maybe he's just you know now he's healthy again, so he's going to try to get as many starts in as he can. Yeah, probably needs them. Uh, you mentioned Neesmith, three top 30s here, good iron player. Um, Carl Yuan's been playing really good. He's got two top sixes recently. It was fourth last week. He's played here a couple times. And then once we get into the sixes, it's a lot less appealing for me. Do you yeah. have any real standouts? Yeah, not really. I like a lot of those guys at the bottom end of the, the 7K range. Um Let's see. I'm just kind of scrolling through now to see uh, Kisner all the way down at 6,800. Notice boy Kevin Roy there as well at that uh, same price. He played well last week. I, yes, he did. I saw him creeping up there a little bit. Uh, thought of you. His uh, um, twin, twin brother was dead last or whatever. The fake twin yes. brother. Uh, Ryan ben Gerard. 62 for Ben Taylor. He used to be good. <laughs> Last a lot of these guys used to be good. Form isn't that bad. He's one of the better putters in the field. If you need a YOLO guy, my Wesley Bryan from last week, there you go. There's one of them. Brian Garrard at 6,300 I think is okay as well. Um, and it looks like his rating in your model is a little more stomachable than a lot of the others down in the lower 6Ks. So uh, I probably won't go down here. I don't think you need to this week. Um you know, if you wanted to play Russell Knox last week, I guess you can play him again. Uh, I think I'm good there. But uh, he's 11th in this field in approach over the last 36 rounds. 
So T forty T twenty one here the last two years. Shorter course, you could do worse than than Peg and Russell Knox here at sixty six hundred. So there you go. Right. Go boy. back to the go back to the dance with who brung you. Uh, even I'm though it's been a, a while. A recent win for Grayson Murray. Where, where was that? Corn Ferry. Uh, yeah, I think so. I remember hearing about that now. Um, He's got two recent wins on the Corn Ferry Tour. The Simmons Bank Open, that was in September. Any Grayson interest? I I, uh, I don't know. I still don't like him because he blocked me on Twitter like six years ago. Like old grudges die hard. But no, probably not here. Uh, too much water, you know, not enough benefit for him to be able to to smack it, you know, 350 off the tee. Uh, it's a pass for me. Yeah, fair enough. Probably a pass for me too. All right. Uh, well, I think uh, that pretty much uh, wraps us up here. Uh, we'll start to see, you know, some of the regular names back in the rotation. Uh, once we get to the, to the new year, uh, we'll start off with the Tournament of Champions. Um, we usually don't do a show for that one because it's only 30 some odd golfers, but uh, then we kind of get into a pretty regular rhythm there from mid January through the summer. Uh, and we'll have a new group of uh, PGA tour members that'll see, they used to start up during this fall swing, uh, but they'll start up in January. So some new faces, some new names for us to discuss, uh, but that's going to be uh, a good uh, you know six weeks down the road yet. Uh, as we look at uh, the Sony open in Hawaii, being the first full field event, and that starts on uh, on January 11th. So, uh, Noto, anything else to pass along before we go to a holiday break here? Yeah. Did you see with the PGA Tour app, you can have the the shot by shot data onto your lock screen? Really? Um, which is pretty cool. So you start your guy, and every shot of his will come up on your lock screen. Um, but you can't even get it. Pull up the leaderboard. Why can't we just have a little thing that shows? Like it used to be. It drives me crazy that I have to click into it every time. Yeah, no, it's horrible. It take. I so mean, now, it takes. Now I gotta three. just do the lock screen thing. So how do you do that? Uh, I, it's just I gotta test app. this on the fly here. And then it'll each shot it'll pull up the guy and. Last week, all you could get was like shot one from the fairway or whatever, but. Right, right, but. Uh, but it should so... be working. Oh. Interesting. Hmm. Well, at least they are kind of advancing that technology a little bit, and we'll have the full shot-by-shot data for the one course this week. So we'll see how that works. Uh, probably end up getting annoyed with too much stuff coming to my phone, but uh, we'll see. Have, have uh, Forty golfers start and just every shot. <laughs> every every. Well, Thursday, uh, I will be. I have to go to Chicago. I have been summoned to be a field trip chaperone um, because our youngest, you know, informed me that I chaperoned for a couple of his brother's field trips and have not done any of his <laughs> over their schooling life. So uh, we are uh, we're going to Chicago for that on Thursday, and then this weekend on Saturday we're going back to Chicago, unrelated because we had a weekend trip planned and we're going to. Uh, going to a heat bulls game on Saturday. So um, I've never, I've never been to an NBA game Been to tons of sporting events. I've never been to an NBA game. Are the bulls going to have a team left, but I don't probably, probably not. Um, It surprised me how expensive the bulls tickets were for like, you know, just a 
upper level type seat. I, I know, you know, I never, I didn't have a, I didn't have a baseline because obviously most of my sporting event history has been baseball and those tickets tend to run a little bit cheaper, but um, I don't know. Good experience. They were just going up to Chicago for the weekend. Uh, so having that, uh, the ping on my lock screen might uh, help because I'll be running out and about this weekend quite a bit, but nice. Uh, they're playing the heat. So we'll see uh, Jimmy Butler revenge game for uh, maybe until he ends up sitting out or something, but uh, <laughs> or he's missed a few games. So I'm not doing NBA content. So I'm a little out of the loop. Is he hurt or is he just uh, he's, resting? He's back tonight. Okay. All right. So hopefully he's playing Saturday in Chicago. Uh, anyway, give me something to, to monitor there. Uh, but uh, in any case, uh, we are going to be uh, out of here for about six weeks on the golf show. We'll get a little break. We'll come back refreshed. The six-week break for the winter always feels like about six months. So by the time January's here, we'll be revved up uh, for just that uh, 30-man tournament of champions in January. But uh, until then, we hope you all enjoy the holiday season. Enjoy the start of winter and a little break from DFS golf. Thanks to Steve for producing every Tuesday night behind the uh, glass for us. Thanks to Noto for joining me. I am Justin and uh, we'll see you back here in the new year. Everybody take care.